Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is Jennifer Love. And when we talk about taking people from their roots to the celebration of their lives and all the vines in between, Jennifer has an amazing story. When you listen to her, you understand why she's so good at what she does. And stay tuned to listen to the exciting announcement that we have in collaborating with each other in the future. We're very excited at Rooted Planning Group to be able to offer a resident money therapy program. Jennifer will run that program and will certainly be sending out some information for people that want to attend. Just a little background about Jennifer. She is an award-winning five-time career entrepreneur, and you'll hear about that in the podcast. She is amazing, and I guess you want to say when... Um, when you think about listening to, to this podcast, put yourself in the frame of mind of somebody who not only wants to help other people, but has worked on her own issues in lives. So she's currently the visionary CEO of Living Wealthy Institute, which is helping world leaders develop a healthy relationship with wealth free from overwhelm and anxiety. And that is a mouthful. And I think you're just going to really enjoy this podcast. Sit on back, grab your favorite beverage. And we hope that you have a wonderful holiday season. And we hope that 2021 brings you just a wonderful year. Well, Jennifer, welcome to the show. We are so thrilled to have you. I've been anticipating this podcast for a little over a month. So I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always a pleasure connecting with you, Amy. Thank you. Well, before we get into the the meat and potatoes, as you know, I always like to know if there's a particular wine that is somebody's favorite so that I might be able to taste it, steal it, and share it with our audience. Do you, you know, I like the wine theme, obviously, from the show. Do you have a particular wine that you like most? Well, in the genre of grapes, I am more of a champagne and sparkly kind of gal. Um, and over this um, this last holiday season, 
we had a bottle of Dom Perignon and it was, Amy, it was so good. It was light. It was crisp. And what I loved most about it was that the bubbles like lightly tickled my nose. Um, But why I really enjoy champagne or sparkling wine is because it has less sugar as well, Mm. Um, which doesn't, it doesn't give me a headache. Um, it doesn't hurt me. Yeah. It doesn't hurt my head. So well, that's it is figure friendly and fun on the taste buds. <laughs> we like, <laughs> we like figure front figure friendly. Yeah. Um, and for people that don't know the difference between sparkling wine and champagne is the region that it came from. Generally the champagne region has the, um, sort of the, the name to that, the brand to that. And so people can make, you know, other vineyards can make a sparkling wine that is similar to the way a champagne is, but they can't use that name because it didn't come from the champagne region. I learned that a couple of years ago, so I'll pass that along. Mm-hmm. So digging into, uh, I can't wait. Um, I, I'm kind of, uh, perusing over that portion of the show today, just because there's, I know there's going to be so much packed up into our conversation, but why don't you give the audience a little bit of a background about yourself and, and just share sort of the formation of your vineyard? Yeah. For me, Amy, that started really young and I have a memory. I was three years old. We lived in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. My father was an entrepreneur and successful businessman, and we lived in a mansion. So we had this beautiful, beautiful home, and I had my own beautiful bedroom with a canopy bed and the whole thing. But this particular day, I was standing in the hallway facing my parents' bedroom with the door shut, and I could hear my father screaming at my mother and punching holes into the walls. And here I am, three. My brother's in bed taking a nap, sleeping in the other room, and I don't know what to do. And I don't really even know what's happening. Before long, my father comes kind of storming down the hallway past me. He walks out of our life. And and I see my mother sitting there on the bed. And I go to her. She's crying. And I crawl up on the bed. And sitting next to her are the cut-up credit cards. And she says, your father's leaving. He's not coming back. And we don't have any money. And... That was the day that my life really changed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I watched um, my mother, who never really recovered um, from that emotionally. Um, I watched a mother who, you know, had been, was being a mom, um, become incredibly financially disempowered. Mm. And um, I remember as the the little three-year-old me thought, you know, I want to help. I want to do something. But, of course, I didn't know what to do. And there wasn't anything for me to do. It wasn't even my place to do anything. But the energy of that stuck with me as I grew and developed. Um, now, some of that uh, I expressed in a healthy way and some of it I didn't. Uh, <laughs> we, we can all relate to that. You know, mm-hmm. that childhood trauma really made an impression. And that was what I call my first money memory. Wow, three years um, old. I mean, three years that, old. That's really young to have a money memory. Yeah. yeah and such a traumatic yeah. one. A very traumatic one. Um, and one that really stuck with me, one that we didn't really even talk about or process um, as I grew older. Um, in fact, I it was several years ago that I went back and confirmed this memory with my parents and said, "Did this actually happen?" <laughs> and and sure enough, you know. Uh, and so, of course, I've done the the work to process that for myself. 
and um, and how that's expressed itself. Because when I began pretending and hiding um, through that experience was that I wasn't afraid um, that, you know, um, I wasn't afraid that mom was so burdened and I didn't want mom to be burdened. I didn't want mom to have any more pain or trauma in her life. And um, I was also kind of pretending and hiding that I felt like I had to do something to save mom, right? So the hero in me, I, I call it, we all have what I call the three-headed drama llama inside of us. And we have the victim, the hero, and the bully that's playing out on the stage of our, of our own Broadway show in, our, in, in interaction with others, you know, plays in their life. And, and so my inner hero was kind of born that day as well. And so here's this three-year-old me who's feeling like I need to save mom, but I'm not saying anything about it. I'm, I'm pretending like it's, it's all okay. And I was also hiding for a very long time that I was very angry with my father that he walked out on us mm-hmm. like that because we went from being incredibly rich and living a certain kind of lifestyle to my mother had a mental breakdown mm-hmm. and ended up in the hospital for a while. My grandparents came out from California and got us and kind of brought us, you know, to live with them. And then when my mom recovered, she came out to California and we kind of re-began our life in a certain way then. But we lived in what we called the rat house, right? There were rats running around in the attics and everywhere. And then we moved into the ant house. So, you know, and while we made it fun and my brother and I, my brother's 13 months younger than I, and, you know, we, we found joy in our life and we found ways to make it all work. My grandparents stepped up to really help support us all greatly um, cause my father wasn't paying child support, oh you know, he was, he was nowhere to be found for a very, very long time. And, and so I was hiding and pretending during those formative years that I wasn't angry. In fact, I didn't even know what it was that I was feeling mm-hmm. that I was having, right. And the impact that that had on me and what I was making it all mean, ultimately that was that somehow I wasn't good enough. I wasn't lovable enough for my father to stay or even to care oh, for us. Gosh. Right? Such a young and, age to develop that mentality. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness. And I'm not alone in this, right? Mm-hmm. This is the story for so many um, leaders, so many women, so, so many humans. We, we have this story and this is part of the work that I do with clients and, and the work that I'm doing as a money therapist and wealth philosopher. Um, but what I learned about myself and, and, and when I did get to process all of this for myself was that I have a big, beautiful heart and that I care deeply and that the hero that wanted to reach out and help mom and save mom and make it all better for her is this beautiful part of me that cares really deeply. What I also learned about myself is that I'm a fighter and I'm a survivor, but mostly I'm a lover with a heck of a lot of tenacity and I know how to get through things. And I learned that about myself at a very young age. You know, I also learned that as I uh, was developing in those those years, I began looking for and seeking validation and love outside of myself. I can remember uh, at the age of, I think it was about eight, nine, ten years old, we were going to church um, in California. And I would walk around to the various men in the church and I'd ask them if they would be my dad. Oh. Because I, I was just this sweet little girl who was so thirsty for her daddy's love. And this is a common story. Um, and and yet, as I began really doing this work and processing it for myself, I, I learned that 
you know what? All of that validation and all of that love that I need is right inside of me. And so I learned that I have great capacity for creating and building things, um, including five companies that I've co-founded or founded over the last 20 years of my career, right? So I, I developed this tenacity. I developed this inner strength. Um, and so much of what I used business as over the years, Amy, was a tool to heal myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, so you had a younger brother that was only 13 months old, you said when you're, or 13 months younger than you when, Correct. when your dad mm-hmm. left. And you said you didn't have him in your life for a very long period of time and couldn't find him. And I, I mean, was how was your, just out of curiosity, how was your brother's path um, being so young, maybe not knowing some of the differences that you did, but moving from this beautiful home that you were in into the, the rat house and the ant house. And, you know, I mean, what was his journey with money within that same household? Cause you know, often siblings have very different money stories in and of themselves. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So, um, I'm very glad for him that he doesn't have a lot of the memories that I have very early on because it didn't impact him in the same way. Although he has his own experience and own journey, Um, and sense of trauma around it. But my brother is incredibly conservative. He went, he went down the, um, becoming a lawyer and judge route. Oh, and you know, I went down being the entrepreneur route, which is all about high risk. Right. And, and so the way that we even invest, um, or our risk tolerances are incredibly different. And yet, what I find fascinating even in that is that our values are very much the same. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, okay. So you had this trauma yourself and you just, how did you make the transition from this is what my life has been like. And now I think I'm going to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I found myself in psychology um, programs. So for two decades, I've studied human development and organizational behavior. And, and that, that started very young. I think probably that started because of that moment, that very defining moment at three years old, you know, with that money memory where I wanted to understand. I was so thirsty for understanding what was happening and why, because no one was really talking about it. Mm-hmm, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I was, I was just, I was having a hard time making sense of it all. Right. And so of course it makes sense. And mom had gotten into a car accident when I was eight. Oh. Um, that not only physically was devastating for her, but she ended up kind of reverting back to being more childlike um, emotionally and mentally. And mama is a sweet human. Like she's one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. I love her to death. And she's just, she's had it hard in her life. And she just didn't have, as so many in that generation didn't have the tools, didn't have the support, didn't have the resources. In fact, talking about emotions, even still today, I mean, especially then though, Mm -hmm. it wasn't okay. It wasn't safe. Like we want to run hard and fast away from trauma and, and repress it and suppress it and hide it and tuck it back and back in the, you know, the corner of the dark closet. 
let the cobwebs, you know, hide everything in front of it, right? Like that's how we handle and treat our emotions. And that is certainly what was happening back then. And so when we don't have the support, when we don't have the tools and we don't have um, the skills to develop and process what's happening for us emotionally, do you think it gets better? Uh, no, in fact, it, <laughs> if, if, if that wasn't a rhetorical question, I answered it, right? <laughs> but it, but I, I'm sitting here, you know, listening to you and, and you and I have had conversations before. So you have a little bit of background and knowledge about me. And I've said to you, like when somebody I'm sitting with somebody in the room and they start to cry, I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, <laughs> you know, like don't, don't, somebody's crying. I you know I don't, I don't want to be, um, yeah. And sensitive to the fact that they're emotionally uh, upset at a situation. And for years, you know, when uh, when I would have a client who would lose a spouse and they would come to me and of course they're going to cry. Um, it's expected that their emotions are, are going to show. They're comfortable with me. They're open to, you know, what's going on with them. But it it made me incredibly uncomfortable yeah. to not it it wasn't that they were crying is that they were feeling an enormous amount of pain and i couldn't do anything about it yeah. i couldn't that let the, the control freak in me uh you know couldn't do anything to take their pain away except sit there and and just let them process in that way shape or form but incredibly uncomfortable to me and not being one that uh, I am that, that little girl that's going to stand there where they're, you know, heels in the ground, like, you're not going to make me cry, you know, kind of type girl. So, mm-hmm. so to, you know, to, to, uh, answer your question, in my opinion, no, I mean, you know, and that's, that's, it doesn't matter that, that there's been times in my life where I've been so stressed out that I, you know, that my body has just wanted to release the tears and I fight it and it doesn't make it any better that I fight it. <laughs> yes. And yet what I'm curious for you too, when we do cry, I actually make it, one of my goals is to cry at least once a week. And when I say that people are like, they look at me like, and they kind of lean in. They're like, what? Well, that's what I just said. <laughs> you, you make it a goal to cry. And I'm like, yeah. You know why I make it a goal, Amy? Because much like when the clouds release rain from the sky um, and we can feel that ozone, we literally have, an, with a lightning storm too, there's this ozone change. There's a decompression. There's a relief that happens in the atmosphere. We can actually feel it in nature, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's what happens inside of us. Because when we, when we cry, we actually, it's a surrender. We get access to that soft, sweet, tender, vulnerable one inside of us. And so I think with somebody's help, that can be true. (laughs) I find that most of the time that it, that it, that it actually is true. There's a relief and a release that happens on the other side of a cry. Now, if we're judging it, and we're making it wrong. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's other stuff that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Having having that cry in a safe environment is is really important. My my sweetheart, he says, "You're so beautiful when you cry." He's like, "I love it when you cry, honey." And I'm like, "Thanks, babe." Um, and so and so, we we as a society, 
especially historically. I mean, things are shifting more now. We're, we're normalizing, allowing ourselves to actually feel all of the feels, I call it, and have what we're having. And it's so important because when we repress these things, it creates psychological disorders. It creates stress. It creates mental disorders. <laughs> um, it creates physical issues in our bodies, right? And so mama didn't have the tools and the skills. So she didn't really ever come back from any of that. And that's okay because there was, there was still a lot of gold that I harvested in all of that. And I love her where she's at. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that translated into me, you know, being fascinated by human behavior and development and led me into, you know, the studies that I, that I have. And that led me down, even in grad school, the first um, business that I started was, it started as writing business plans. And, and then that led me down this road of helping companies um, get funding and grow strategies and how to really um, scale uh, their business. And, and, you know, that's led me down the years. I've had a wholesale chocolate company. Um, (laughs) I did not read that about you. (laughs) I'm a a co-owner of a wholesale chocolate company. I started in 2009, stepped out um, in in uh, 2000 and was it 13 or 14 brought a new executive team in to run. So I don't have to do the heavy lifting mm-hmm. anymore, which is awesome. Uh, and, and have, you know, started other ventures or partnered in other ventures. And, and along the way, what I have found is that each of the businesses that I have been a part of have been a part of me healing myself, whether it's my relationship with food my relationship with finances, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. my relationship with my own sense of value or worthiness mm-hmm. or whatever's going on, right? We, I think, and I believe that entrepreneurship can be, if we let it be a fast tracked personal and spiritual development. Mm-hmm. Well, I, it definitely, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm speaking for my own, per, for me personally, <clears throat> what I've learned about being an entrepreneur is to trust myself to, um, uh, I, you know, I know, ne- I never want to get too big for my pants if you want to say that, but I, I have more confidence than I've ever had, um, in the decisions that I make, you know, I just, um, when I worked for other people, it, it always, I, I always questioned, um, you know, the job that I was doing and it might go back to that validation comment that you made, but I, but I, um, when I, and I was extremely insecure when I first started the company. Like it was, you know, I, I couldn't, the, the stress that I underwent when I first started the company was uh, amazing when I look back on it. Not that it's not stressful still, but there's a different, it's a different kind of stress. But I would say that the, the more successful the business has been and the more, you know, customers, clients refer other clients to us and the business continues to grow that, you know, I can have some self-love for myself in the sense that that validation and value for my, for my own self. And, and I, and I know a lot of the women that I work with that do create their, do, do go on their entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey as they become successful. It's a, it's an empowerment thing. Mm. They, they have a, of the dependency that they feel uh, towards, or the independence, I should say, that they feel once they 
craft this business and and they see success is it's so amazing. So going back to your comment about you know the the fact that you went on this journey and it you know it was a healing factor. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a huge as as you know you went on a journey to find your own um, to heal yourself your own money journey per se to 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 do some healing and and there are a lot of people that feel very insecure about money because we aren't taught a lot about it. It's not no. part of our education. Yeah. And so we do the best that we can with what we're not taught. And there's a lot of insecurity around it, which, you know, leads me to one of the businesses that, um, and maybe you were going to bring that up, um, that really does work with that particular topic. The, the resident money therapist program that you yes. offer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Through the living. So um, the company that I'm running currently is called Living Wealthy Institute. And um, I'm a resident money therapist there and, and in a few programs. And we're going to be doing that together. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to be offering that and in, in your program and with you and your community. It's, it just feels really exciting. Uh, a thrill. That's something. So the team recently made the decision to, um, you know, bring that in as a service that we're offering. And, and one of the big reasons behind that, to be completely honest, is that this year we have had so many clients just, you know, it's been so stressful and they're, they've got these emotions and these feelings and they, they don't know where to go and they don't know what to do with them. And there's anxiety. That is probably the word of the year is anxiety. And we're not trained to talk about those kinds of things. You know, we, we can talk about habit changing. We can talk about, you know, some number, well, the numbers clearly, but we're not trained to talk about what to do around anxiety. And, and a lot of times when people first start working with us, there is an enormous amount of anxiety and even beyond than when they first start. But, but that, that first step to start working with a financial planner, you know, I've had people cry when they come in my office and say, this is, you know, they're, they're afraid I'm going to judge them, um, that I'm going to tell them they made all these mistakes. I'm like, but we don't, we're not like that, <laughs> you know, I, and, and maybe it's experiences that they've had and, and maybe it's things that they've read that have made them think like that. But so, so let's dig into that just a little bit because I'm super excited about that program. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little, like, how did you, like, what was the, how did the idea come to the surface? Well, uh, again, I've been doing this kind of work for just over 20 years. So even, you know, as I was running other companies or partnering other companies, um, I've been advising and leading um, entrepreneurs and leaders for a very, very long time. And so I've always brought this money therapeutic work um, in and behind the scenes with everything that I've done. Um, And and I've been applying it in my own life, frankly, Amy. So I've been my own greatest experiment with all of this. But, you know, here I was, um, you know, having had quite a career uh, entrepreneurial career. But by 2013, 
being an award-winning entrepreneur, I was the CEO of an eight-figure international wholesale chocolate company, and I'd raised over a hundred million, um, you know, in multiple businesses, either mine or others. And and yet, I knew that when I when we brought in the executive team for for Nidmore, my chocolate company, that I was starting over. And the reason why I knew I was starting over was because I was miserable inside. Mm-hmm. And so here I was, you know, the success, quote unquote, on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. but on the inside, I felt bankrupt because um, I had suffered and sacrificed and worked myself to the bones. And anyone who is listening to this and can relate, it, you don't have to keep suffering. It doesn't have to be a life where you are a prisoner inside yourself with your money because we can be rich, but being rich and living wealthy are very different. Mm-hmm. Things. They are. Mm-hmm. And so part of, part of my work and desire, you know, having watched a mother who was financially disempowered and having my own journey, my own relationship with all of this, what I began to realize was we build up what I call scar tissue. And the scar tissue builds up in the different aspects of ourself. I call it the four different aspects of our humanity, our spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical. And they're all interconnected and, wo- and interwoven, right? And so that scar tissue is that toxic buildup of the barriers, the blocks, the wounds, the destructive stories, the harmful beliefs, the addictions, and all the things that are destroying our natural life force. And so over time, I began developing through the work that I was doing through the research that I've been doing, um, what I call the living wealthy model. And this is really, it's a full metamorphosis of reconnecting ourselves to our natural state of being by identifying um, that, that scar tissue that's creating those upper limits and keeping us a prisoner inside of ourselves and then reconnecting to actually living wealthy in our natural mm-hmm. state of being mm-hmm. and clearing that scar tissue out that that scar tissue that's i call it constipating it's constipating our life and it's robbing us of our our freedom and our joy and our security we can have lots of money but we can still be terrified and afraid mm-hmm. and living in scarcity all of the time mm-hmm. because of all of this gunk mm-hmm. and muck that is inside of us right and then once we clear we need to begin to integrate and this is what i call the practice field and, and so as you end your emotional poverty and ease that anxiety, I see so much anxiety. Anxiety is big for women, huge for us as humans, but women have a special relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, we and, do. <laughs> yeah, we do. And so as we get into the practice field and end that emotional poverty, it begins to ease that anxiety where we can then step back into a life and of empowered financial decision-making in wholeness of self. And then we can then embody and in, in live in the flow of being rewired. Um, now I'm oversimplifying this process mm-hmm. greatly, but I'm giving you a, you know, kind of an overview of what this looks like, because at the end of the day, we don't want to be the Ebenezer Scrooge, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. gets to the end of life and has all of this money, but is so emotionally bankrupt. Yeah. Well, I call it the bag lady syndrome mm-hmm. because, you know, you can have, you, you can have sufficient income, you can have sufficient savings, but when you feel that way, you feel like you're one event away from being the bag lady. You just, yeah. you just never get beyond that. I've got 
sufficient. And to be completely, you know, vulnerable here and, and forthcoming, I'm one of those people. Like I, I am very careful about uh, how much we spend as a general rule. As in both, both Brent and I are, we're on the same page with our our money values. I mean, we're both very conservative in the way that we spend money. <clears throat> but m- my fear is different than his fear. You know, like I've been poor and I don't ever want to be poor again. <laughs> so, so I'm very cautious about how close to the edge I live with, um, with money. And so, uh, you know, I, I will self-admit that I have this bag lady syndrome that I'm just, doesn't matter how much we have and how much we earn. I'm always going to be spending within a certain amount and worried like to a certain extent, not like I used to be like when I first started the company, but still it's, it's one of those. And you know, when you have, um, when you have that syndrome, sometimes you don't reward yourself for the work that you do. Right. Cause you're thinking, yeah. oh, I really want to go on that vacation, but boy, it's going to be expensive. <laughs> Yeah. Gosh, why did you work? Like, why are you working if you're ever going to enjoy it? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I have some rationalization to it, but I totally relate to those people that, that are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or those who have ancestral trauma or their own trauma that they're in relationship with money. Maybe they're making it and, but it's going right back out the door mm-hmm. as coming in. Yep. Because there, there's something in going on inside of them that has that that has this sense of fear around being in relationship with it. Mm-hmm. That somehow grandma's, you know, great great grandma's bankruptcy years ago is still carried in your body, hasn't been fully processed, and you don't even know it mm-hmm. that that's affecting you. It's in your genes. It's called epigenetics, and and that that unprocessed trauma from your great great grandma mm-hmm. is hanging out inside of you. And, you know, and, and it's affecting your own sense of fear in relating with money, right? It's, it's kind of like what on the emotional side, we, we were like, uncle Bob, you know, has the worry gene. And like, we, you know, our family, we're all kind of like worriers, right? And, and that's that sense of how we carry thoughts, beliefs, mm-hmm. emotions through our genes um, and through generations, through our ancestors. And so all of this is, is developing and creating how we're being in relationship with money, how we're investing it, how we're spending it, and how we're maybe making it or not making it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All of it is impacting us. And so we really want to, money is neutral, Amy. It, it's just, it's kind of like being out in space, right? Money takes on the energy that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, so what the work for us to do is, is our own examination, right? The, the, what is it? The, um, the life unexamined is a life worth living, right? Mm So self-examination and digging into these things and how they're affecting, how we're making decisions, even how we're being generous. I have a client who, um, is incredibly generous, big heart. And uh, she hid a self-directed fund that she put together because she didn't want her family to judge her for being the generous person that she is. Um, and she's doing this with her financial advisor, um, but she she didn't want her family to know, right? So, so how we're being in all of 
of our aspects of um, our relationship with our finances has everything to do with what's going on inside of us. So the resident money, resident money therapist program that we're talking about launching is to talk about some of these things, to educate us, to, to bring some of this out and to do some work around some of these things. Right. So in a very safe environment, it doesn't all have to be scary, Amy. Right. Right. Some of it's quite fun and very liberating. Right. Right. And that's the thing. Like, so, so the idea behind it is to, um, to, I mean, I think anything is scary until we're educated about it. Yeah. Personally, you know, once I know about something, I'm like, why did I even worry about that? Like when I actually sat down and weighed the, the risks and the, you know, like the pros and the cons behind it, and I really got the education that the, the, the knowledge and understanding of it, then it wasn't scary anymore like, yeah. because I knew what the worst is. And, and one of my stories that I, I don't know if I've shared that with any, with any, I don't can't remember on, on the podcast or not, but, um, w- one of my dear friends, um, her name is Patricia Smith, dear, dear friend. She was a kindergarten teacher for many, many years, dear friend of mine. When I was thinking about starting the company, um, you know, stressed out, really going back and forth, back and forth. And she said, well, look, you know, what are you worried about? Like, you've been doing this for a long time. You know, you have the knowledge to do it. So what are you worried about? I'm like, well, what if I fail? And she goes, okay, so what if the business doesn't, you know, succeed? What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm like, I'm going to have to go get a job because that's the worst that's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's not really that bad, you know? Yeah. And I, she put that totally in perspective, you know, like, okay, the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to have to go work for somebody else other than my clients. You know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go back to work in a corporation or a small company or something and not, not have my, not run the business the way that I really at the core of my heart wanted to do. But I had this huge fear a failure. And like, I could, you know, I, I dreamed up like, you know, putting us in debt and all of this sort of stuff. And so, you know, sitting down and actually mapping out like how much money do we really have to make? How, how much can we cut back on all this other stuff that we're, we're doing and how much money do I really have to make in order to, to take away this fear? And once we sat down and mapped all that out, I'm like, all right, I can relax a little bit. I won't say I relaxed a lot, but I relaxed a little bit just knowing information but when you have more deep rooted issues like those those are very surface issues right those are all solvable surface issues to a certain extent and when you have really deep rooted issues and you don't even know why you're doing that that's where education about doing some of your own personal work can really be beneficial in the long run that's right so we're super excited to be rolling this out in february <laughs> And, you know, it's kind of like, dun, 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 more to come. <laughs> exactly. We're going to, we'll, we'll have the, the, those of um, the listeners that are, you know, curious about this, you'll have more information to share with them. Yes. This is an opportunity to um, go as deep or not as you desire. And that's the <laughs> exciting thing about it. I think it's, you know, you might want to, you might be one of those people that just sits on the sidelines and just listens and learns and processes, or you might be somebody who, you know, wants to speak up and share some information. So um, we're super excited about this and we're super excited that, um, I've said that probably 10 times, which I don't generally repeat myself, but I really am very uh, as, as we're recording, it's the middle of December in 2020. And I think everybody's just 
sitting on the edge of their seat, wanting this year to be over and wanting, you know, 2021 to be a better year. But I'm very concerned about, you know, the holidays and even into January and how people are emotionally going to deal with um, with this continuing and the, the loneliness of it. And also, you know, some of the decisions that people are going to have to make uh, long-term around um, how they're going to work differently in the future. One of the things that I've heard a lot of people say too, is, is that they're not sure that they love the job that they have. There's been a lot of soul searching around what people are doing and they feel obligated to stay in the job that they're in right now because of, you know, like, well, right now is not a good time to make a change. You know, we're in the middle of this pandemic. Why would I make a job change? And yet, you know, a lot of it is tied to the fear of what would happen if they quit their current job or, um, it's, it's a money fear. It's not, you know, that's a big piece of it. So we're really looking forward to digging into a lot more of those topics and, and rolling out more about the program as we, as, uh, as we get it prepared for, for February of 2021. So if you're interested in it, stay tuned. We're going to be sending information out, uh, in our newsletters. We're going to have some stuff on our website. We're certainly going to have some stuff in social media. Um, but we are very, um, very much looking forward to offering this to uh, to to the listeners and to clients of ours that are are interested in exploring some of this a bit more. Um, as usual, I'm running a bit over because I knew we'd probably dig. It. Your story mm-hmm. is just so amazing. I think one of the things that always strikes me when I listen to to people that have gotten into a field that they are not only uh, sympathetic about, but they're actually empathetic about is that you you don't just listen and and um and try to guide people you you've actually been there you've actually done that i actually live this body of work Mm -hmm. daily Yeah. yeah and that just makes it more than more than in um more than something that somebody is sitting there saying, well, this is how you should, and I know you would never do this, but this is how you should feel or, or that's normal. I, I'm like, what is normal? You know, like <laughs> there's nothing, you know, normal is the average of everything. So nothing is ever really normal. Um, I had a conversation with my doctor not too long ago when they said, are you feeling pretty normal? I'm like, I don't know what's normal. Like what's, <laughs> No, gosh, what kind of question is that? Like, I don't know. Explain normal to me. Um, nothing's normal, especially right now. Nothing's normal. But when it comes to um, emotion, you know, there isn't. There's. There still isn't a normal. There's a way that we can process things that help us through, right? So, right. so um, before we go, though, I do want to just. Uh, I always like to finish up the podcast with two two main questions. One is, I'd love to know, Jennifer, your definition of success. Mm. Well, to me, because I've had I've had the worldly definition of success, right? But that's not what success is to mm-hmm. me. Success to me is living wealthy, which is a state of feeling alive and filled with vitality where my heart is open and connected always and my values are aligned with my generosity that helps future generations in the planet thrive and where I'm creating 
you know, whether it's through art or, you know, in nature, that to me is success. Mm. Creating. Mm -hmm. And my final question is kind of, it's, we sort of move into a section called the nourish your vines section of the podcast where we take just a few minutes for our guests to provide maybe the number one financial lesson that they've learned in their lives. Hmm. Well, this is kind of coming back full circle here. Um, and the lesson that I learned in watching a mother who became you know, very financially disempowered in large part because of the emotional scar tissue that was unprocessed and and what I've experienced in the long in my journey and what I've seen in my clients' lives as well is that one of the greatest and fastest, frankly, ways, and we can talk strategies on cash flow and all that, and I, you know, I love to do that, but none of that really matters if we don't have a rich emotional vineyard inside ourselves that creates access to a prosperous fruit-bearing garden mm-hmm. that we desire. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it, it come, one of the greatest financial strategies and lessons is about focusing on that internal emotional vineyard and removing that, that scar tissue that's clogging and mucking our ability to be free and to be limitless, frankly. Well, you know, the best tasting wine comes from the most stressed grapes. <laughs> So if we can do that work and really get to the bottom of what's going on with our money journey and everybody has one, um, then we can really create a pretty delicious wine in our lives, right? That is, that is, that is spot on. Yes. (laughs) Create the most delicious wine of your life. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think a lot of us have been on a journey this year to try to do that in a, in you know, it's, it, if anything, this year has, has caused us to, uh, many of us to take a step back and really question a lot about our lives. And that is why I am so looking forward to 2021 and to some of the programs that we're going to be offering and services that we're going to be offering to our clients that year, because we think that that's where some of that, you know, all of this, all of this that has happened in 2020 has caused some scar tissue to form. And uh, we really hope in 2021 we're able to to start to heal that and and bring some of that nature and beauty that you mentioned as success uh, in, into everybody's lives. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. As I know the holiday season, even in this this year, is a bit crazy, and uh, um, being on the show and for the program that we're going to do together later this year. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that mm-hmm. as, I, if, as if I haven't mentioned it. So um, we're going to, we're going to put some information about you in, in the show notes, but do you have a preference if people want to reach out to you and work with you individually um, as to how they can talk to you or how they can get in touch with you? Yeah. You know, the best way to do that is to head over to jenniferlove.com. Uh, Jennifer, two N's, one F. Love, like it sounds. And uh, there's a discovery form that you can fill out that's super short and gives me some information so I can show up prepared and how to best support you on that conversation. So jenniferlove.com is the best way to get a hold of you. And we'll put that, we'll put that link in the show notes as well. And Jennifer, again, thank you so much for being our guest today. What a lovely mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Thanks for inviting me. And I'm really looking forward to playing next year as well.
And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.